Today on The Balanced Voice, Rania welcomes our very own Joshua Webb. Joshua is our programs coordinator here at Crime Stoppers of Houston, and he moved here from Indiana last summer. He is passionate about empowering people to be healthy and breaking the stigma around mental health. That fall, my first semester at college, I was lost. I was lost, I was lonely, um, and I was vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what led to the situation. I I met a young lady, um, it became verbal and emotional abuse and kept escalating. Um, to the point where it became sexual. I didn't see my experience as abuse because again, I had an idea of what abuse looked like and my my situation did not fit that at all. Today, Joshua shares his experience with intimate partner violence and his insight with us about our culture and the different ways men are impacted by violence, both as victims and as perpetrators. Without further ado, here's your host, Renya Mancarios. Welcome to the Balanced Voice Podcast. We are so excited to have with us today Joshua Webb, our programs coordinator. Joshua moved to Houston. What? How long has it been? Um, probably about ten months. Ten last months. Summer. Yes. From from Indianapolis, Indianapolis. Indiana. Mm-hmm. So we are so thrilled to have him today. We're going to be talking about um, a wide range of topics, but really hovered around uh, domestic violence, intimate partner violence, and the odd scenario or the scenario we're not used to hearing mm-hmm. when the man is the victim. So yeah. Joshua, welcome. Yes. Thank you. Thank How you. How have you been? I've been really good, really good, really happy to be here and talk about this. This is something that um, I'm really passionate about. And I think it's a really important conversation to have um, because just as you said, we, I, the the capital WE, like we yeah. as a culture, we have a, as a society, I think have a certain idea of what domestic violence looks like. Yep. Um, and I love telling my story because it, it challenges that. It, it the, the, the man in the relationship was the victim. Um, and and so to be able to share that and provide um, just, a, a, just a different perspective is, re- is something that's really important to me. Okay, so it's two places we can start. One, yeah. let's start just quick background. You grew up in Indianapolis. Yes. What did you study? How did you decide to come here? And mm-hmm. then of course, I wanna hear your story. Yes, of okay. course. So grew up in Indianapolis, um, left Indianapolis at 18 to go to college in Chicago, went to Loyola University, Chicago. Uh, moved back to Indianapolis after graduation and spent three years in Indianapolis working for um, a, a lovely nonprofit organization doing like youth mentorship, something that's really- The best stuff I love it. Ever. I loved yeah. it. Um, it was a wonderful experience. and. I moved down to Houston last summer, last June, um, and been with Crime Stoppers ever since. Um, getting to create content about you know keeping people safe, um, do interviews, just share information, and it's it's I've I've enjoyed every second of it. So you clearly have a personal story. Is that personal story what led you to like to do this work? Yes, it okay. is. I think because my struggle was very much so rooted in the ways that I thought I was supposed to act, the ways that I thought I was supposed to feel, the way that I thought I was supposed to behave as a man. Okay. Um, And so that whole experience challenged that and healing from that required me to change my perspective, my identity of masculinity and manhood. Okay. This is, that's a huge, that's a huge, that's like where we're going to dive into next, but Mm -hmm. tell us your story. Okay. Okay, so it started when I went to college my freshman year. Um, 2014 was a very tumultuous year in my life. Um, it started with um, parents' divorce, mm-hmm. and then I left home. I left college to go to a foreign city. I went to Chicago from Indianapolis. Um, I had had a, a girlfriend in high school, and we broke up right in like May. So it was a lot of change. events, a lot of change, and a lot of events that. 
challenge my identity for a mm. long I had seen myself as, you know, the child of two married parents. Mm. I, I saw myself as, you know, this young lady's boyfriend. I and so all of that changed within the span of a few months. Mm. And so that fall, my first semester at college, I was lost. I was lost. I was lonely. Um, and I was vulnerable. Mm. And I think that is what led to the situation. I, I met a young lady um, studying one evening um, in, in the cafe on campus. Um, we had a mutual friend and she came up and, and they started talking. And we found out that we lived in the same dorm room. Um, and I, I told her which room I lived in, which was probably mistake number one. Well, I think a lot of college kids do that. Yeah. Though. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in room 320. Come exactly, on by. Stop by. Yeah, um, yeah. But she did. And oh, I did not want her to. I was not expecting that at all. Um, and so she stopped by and. Were you your both first years? Mm -hmm, okay. Mm -hmm. um, and as soon as I was uncomfortable, like immediately, like who, like, why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and she wouldn't leave. Uh, she she came to my door. We chit chatted, whatever. And I tried to tell her like, hey, okay, it's been it's been a lovely time. Yes. Um, I would like you to go. In so many words, um, but she didn't. Uh, she she hung around, and then she eventually left. And she did this multiple times. Mm. Um, and it escalated. It, it went from her just kind of being in my doorway, us talking to she eventually came in. Um, there was alcohol involved, and it got to a point where my no didn't mean anything that that is what was established in the relationship um i would say no i would say hey i don't want to do this you know verbally and non-verbally and all of that was ignored um and so that just led to further and increasing abuse right it became verbal and emotional abuse there was a time when she was late on an assignment for example um and all of the aggression all of the frustration that she probably felt at herself for missing the deadline came towards me and there was just a, like a barrage of insults and just like really hurtful hurtful things um and i justified it in that moment like oh okay she's a, she's annoyed she's upset she doesn't really mean what she's saying but i think in doing that i i deprioritized myself i i made excuses for her behavior and completely disregarded the way that it made me feel um and again it, that just keep kept happening and kept escalating um, to the point where it became sexual. Um, we would engage in behaviors that I, I didn't want to, but at that point, I didn't feel like I could say no. I didn't wow. feel like my no meant anything. Um, and so I was doing things that I, I just was not comfortable with, did not want to do. And we were in that relationship for a while. Um, luck luckily for me, I was able to separate at the end of the school year. You yeah. know, I went back home, she went back home, and we were just able to end it that way. But a lot of victims don't have that. A lot of victims share homes, share families with their abusers, and so they don't have that easy out. I did, and I'm 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 so grateful that I did, because um, then I could start healing, and that took years. <laughs> that took years, but um, and it's brought me to to where I am today. So was the relationship the whole first year? Because yeah, that's the, a long time, yeah, Joshua. Yeah. That's a long time. It was. It was a very long time. And it's interesting because. One, you you never picture the, the mm -hmm. victim of intimate par partner violence or domestic violence as being the man. You right. know, obviously we know that, that that's one in three women, one in four men have been victims of some form of physical violence by an intimate partner within their mm -hmm. lifetime. I mean, we, we say those numbers, but we don't really think about them. Yeah. When you were justifying mm -hmm. it, though, mm -hmm. were you having conversations with her? And did you feel like there were any strategies that would work 
with mm. her to to sort of create healthy boundaries for you right. or was it like a free-for-all that you just kept you felt like you just you were just falling 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 there were a lot of conversations that happened between me and my friends between my friends and her between me and her um and <laughs> there was one time when my friends like literally had to have an intervention like wow. we were all eating at the dining hall and then they all came back to my apartment and said hey joshua like we love you and we see that you are not doing well at all. Like, we don't like the way that she talks to you. We don't like the way that she treats you. Are you okay? Is there anything we can do? And I, you know, I just, I, I, I said, you know, everything's fine. It's okay. She, you know, gets upset sometimes. And again, I just tried to write it off. Um, there was a time when one of my friends actually stood up for me. She had said something crazy to me and he was like, yo, don't talk to him like that. And she, Again, downplayed it. Um, and all this time you're defending her, mm -hmm. even though you yourself know. It's not. It's not okay what's happening. It's not okay. But again, making excuses because she was also struggling. She was also going through a very, very difficult time in her own life. Um, and so maybe I felt like she just needs somebody to support her and be by her. But, you know, at that point, what sacrifice am I making yeah. for her? You know, and it, it wasn't it wasn't worth it. It wasn't a healthy situation. OK, so your friends are standing up for you. But as a victim of that type of mm -hmm. abuse in a relationship, yeah. there are a lot of places women can go yeah. and women feel comfortable going. Yeah. Where could you go? And I think that was also part of my struggle. I didn't know. Um, I had my friends and, and they were such a great resource. Like, I think if I didn't have them, if it was just me and me and her, I, I don't know where I would be. Um, Loyola did have a lot of like really fantastic on campus resources. Another friend actually um, reached out to them for me on my behalf and they actually stopped by my door and said, again, Joshua, are you OK? We've heard things that are not going well. Um, and so there were on campus resources, but it I wasn't I wasn't able to take advantage of them because I didn't name my experience as abuse. I didn't. I didn't see my experience as abuse because, again, I had an idea of what abuse looked like and my situation did not fit that at all. So your idea of abuse was punching, hitting and that it was the, the man as the yeah. as the abuser. Yeah. And so me, who was having verbal attacks and, and you know, kind of sexual misconduct, I, it's it just didn't click for me as me being a victim of abuse. It's so interesting because in society so often women who do that are just crazy women mm -hmm. you know set menstrual cycle they're mm -hmm. crazy they're irrational mm -hmm. da, da, da. um it's never really labeled as abuse right but it literally is abusive right so you started by talking about your manhood and masculinity and yeah. having to identify that define it or redefine it yes. what what was that like it was so hard it was hard um to first of all name what was going on as abuse to realize that i was being harmed by somebody that i trusted and mm. Um, was very close to me. I had to, first of all, accept that. And then I had to realize that I wasn't okay. Like these, this experience had had very real and very negative effects on my self-esteem. Like I had to realize that I had low self-esteem. I had not really thought about um, my self-esteem and my self-image in, in, in a really critical way. And I had to realize that being in a relationship that was toxic and abusive had very negative effects on just how I perceive myself. Um, 
And so I, I had to go to therapy. I had to go to therapy and talk about it. And again, I it took that years. I you did that, Joshua. Nobody so I feel like no, not a lot of people think to do that or make the effort to do that. Or they don't think that their situation is, is serious enough yeah, for therapy. Yeah, it merits it. Exactly. But it, therapy at multiple points in my life has saved my life because mm -hmm. I have gone at some really, really critical points. Um, when I was processing this um, relationship, when I was you know going through some stuff at home, like I have been actively engaged with the therapist and if i didn't have that if i because again and i think this also may be um a byproduct or or you know a, a result of the idea of masculinity that we're supposed to have it's very difficult for me to have open and honest conversations with my male friends about how i'm feeling about yeah. the things that aren't going well and so if i didn't have therapy if i didn't have um, just an objective ear to listen to what I was going and kind of make sure that I'm I'm on the right path and I'm processing things in a healthy way. Gosh, I don't know where I would be. So wise because I think culturally a lot of men, you know, turn to drinking. You yeah. know, let me just drink my feelings away yeah. or aggression in another way or mm -hmm. taking it out on other sectors of their family, friends, yeah. work, whatever. The fact that you had the foresight to do that and did it. Mm -hmm. So now you're working. Yes. Are you, do you have a particular sensitivity to this type mm -hmm. of issue? Mm -hmm. Are you hoping to identify for younger kids mm -hmm. or, you know, you, you, you talked about how this shaped coming to where you are now. Yes. Because of that experience and because of all of the effects of that experience, I have come to realize that for me, it all boiled down to who I thought I was and how I thought I should behave. Mm. Um, I, the things that I wasn't allowed to say or do or think, I have had to challenge. And so it has become my, I get personal and professional philosophy, like pass these lessons on, like tell these young boys that you are allowed to be whoever you want to be, as long as it's a healthy and respectful person, like you can wear what you want to wear, you can cry how you want to cry. I think there was, there was another early experience that I had as a child. Um, in elementary school, we were playing a game in gym class and um, I was responsible for like getting the basketball in the hoop. And I it was such a high pressure situation um, that I ended up crying. Aww. I ended up crying because like, oh, no, my team is counting on me and I'm letting them down. Um, and this was this was probably second grade. Um, but I remember the lesson that I got from that at a young age. It wasn't OK. Here's how you handle high pressure situations. It's that you shouldn't cry. That that is the lesson that I got from that. There wasn't um, a conversation about how to, you know, what caused the crying? Why are you crying? Um, let's talk through what you're feeling and the stress that you're feeling. There was none of that. It's there was none of that from like your family or from like the school, the from coach, the school, from the coach, know, all like, of that. My my family, um, wonderful, very warm. But I think also we have to look at the examples that we have um, in our fathers and our uncles yeah. and our grandparents. Yeah, um, I think. As time has gone on, I think men are doing a much better job at being warm and emotionally available for their children. But I think it is on us to continue that progress. Mm -hmm. um, it's a huge difference generationally. Yes. Well, you know, yes. from our and I know I'm older than you, but our fathers mm -hmm. to men today. I mm -hmm. mean, it's a, it's like almost night and day. It is. It is. And it's been really beautiful to see. Yeah. And also there is so much farther that we can go. Um, 
And so I just I'm excited to be about a part of that conversation, be a part of progressing and being more warm and being I, I don't think there's a problem with men being soft. I think yeah. it's OK to be. My dad is an artist. Yeah. So, I mean, we grew up. He crying commercial. I be crying in commercials. Yes. He, you know, look at something pretty. We'd all be crying. I mean, that's exactly, you know, in addition to being a chemist, but he was an artist. So yeah, I, I get that. And I think it's healthy to tap into that, you know, sensitive, emotional side. And I feel like a lot of men just feel like they can't do that. OK, so now you're if you find yourself like you mentored youth and you're you're in schools with crime stoppers or you're mm-hmm. doing work in the community mm-hmm. how do you feel like we're doing as a society with the younger generations mm-hmm. we're talking about the fact that men have done somewhat of a 180 and that's good mm-hmm. but this younger generation still has the i got to be a man yeah i got to do what i so how are you, how do you feel like we're doing as a society to change that? Right. And what are you seeing in the younger generation? I think, I mean, like I, there's still so much more progress to be made. I think we can all be better examples of, 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 of men. I think there are so many different examples of healthy masculinity that are out there, but it's about exposing those to the young people. Um, because I, they, I mean, they have a certain image of what it means to be a man. Um, the things that they see on TV, the things that see, they see in video games. And it's hard to be something that is counter that. It's hard to not be the action hero, like mm-hmm. archetype, right? Mm-hmm. Or to not want to be that. Um, but to communicate to them that it's it's okay. You can be whoever, again, you can be whoever you want to be. Um, I, I think what it really boils down to for me is like being authentic, um, being genuine in who you are, honoring all of your different emotions and feelings and thoughts. Because I think the second that you discredit or try to hide or suppress any natural part of yourself, that's unhealthy. That's unhealthy. And it's going to come out some other way. Um, and that's, I think, when we see a lot of I domestic violence. When you try to suppress any natural part of yourself that's unhealthy, it's going to come out in some other way. And you yes. think that ties to domestic violence. I do. I do. Because I think... Again, struggling victim and perpetrator. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It can either it can it can manifest as low self-esteem and like, Which, oh, I'm not worth anything. You know, it doesn't matter how you treat me. I probably deserve it. Or it's like I, I'm frustrated at work or these last two years I have not had the money that I needed. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm stuck in the house. And so I lash out out of frustration or I disappear for hours at a time because I'm at the bar. How do we how do we start to develop healthy um, ways to process these heavy emotions that we all feel um, so that they don't become violent. It's And it's interesting because we are a society that's become highly emotional, mm-hmm. very sensitive. Mm-hmm. We're super sensitive to every whim, every feeling, every comment. Yeah. But I don't know that we've actually layered the foundations of our community with strategies. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have. Now that you say that, I'm like, well, you're right, but what have we done about solutions? Yeah, and I think that is that's because that's where we have to start. We have to so we we can talk about this, but we have to give people very concrete. Okay, how do I do this? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think Crime Stoppers is doing it absolutely, but but large scale community, it's you know, it's not it's not, it's there, not there in a lot of ways, and so I think that's why it's important to have these conversations, to have Crime Stoppers in the schools, so that we can begin to have these conversations and give young people the tools to become healthy adults. That's that is what is important to me. A healthy foundation as a person so you don't grow up to be violent abusive um giving young men specifically the tools to be healthy but also intervene when they need to because it starts at an early you, you you see it in elementary school you see oh, it yeah. in middle school high school and it's often written off as boys will be boys yes but that is not acceptable when it's violent behavior um and so you're telling boys like okay 
say you have a crush on whomever, mm-hmm. how do you appropriately, like, you can, when I was a kid, um, I had a crush on this girl and I would trip her all the time because I didn't oh. know, I was like, <laughs> oh, Joshua, you're cute, you're no. fun. <laughs> exactly. But yet, culturally, if that girl would come home, or, you know, as women, girls would say, mommy, you know, little Josh was tripping me, mommy would say, because he has a crush on yeah, you. Exactly, exactly. He has a crush on you. But why is that acceptable? I know, you know? you're right. Um, and so starting early on talking about, there's healthy ways and appropriate ways to talk about consent with young children yeah it's okay if you touch me here it's not okay if you touch me there mm-hmm. um again giving our children the language young men um you know friends young boys talk about a lot of things mm-hmm. and it's again written off as locker room talk or yeah. whatever but it has to be stopped at that point because a lot of times it doesn't just stop at the language the language is indicative of some thoughts that are already happening in the head and so it has to be challenged at that moment or as soon as possible so that we as a, as a society can communicate that's not acceptable. It's not okay. Right. So when you look at society, the younger generations, you talk about role models and mm. strategies. Do we have enough male role models role modeling mm. the appropriate things? Mm. And do they need to be cultural? You know, do I need to see an, uh, an immigrant female or immigrant mm. male or an African-American female or male mm-hmm. or a Caucasian or mm-hmm. Asian? Do you think that that matters? I do. I do. I think we have to have a diversity of perspectives. And mm-hmm. it's not it's not only about, you know, race and na- national origin. It's about there are many different ways to be a man and some healthy, some unhealthy. But all of that needs to be shown and expressed mm-hmm. so that the young people can see somebody that resonates them with them in some way and begin to mimic that um, a, a healthy way to to channel and process and express all of all that is you know naturally within them. Um, and I do think that we just as a culture, as a, as a society can be doing a better job of being examples. Role, there are plenty of role models around, but not all of them are positive. Yeah. Not all of them are healthy. Yeah. Um, and so it's on us as men, um, as the adults in the society, as, as the leaders of, of the culture to be that example. Um, and if it's not there, if we don't see it, we have to bring people alongside us um, to be that example. I don't know why I keep thinking, you know, about role models in society and cultural mm-hmm. examples. And obviously, you know, Will Smith and the Oscars is sort of still on top of mind. And I've been fascinated by the discussion about, mm-hmm. well, he almost, this is the discussion. I, I haven't analyzed it personally, but right. he's was almost in an abusive relationship in mm-hmm. the way Jada Pinkett Smith treated him. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he then lashed out in a moment of mm-hmm. stress physically, which everyone said terrible. Yeah. Then he got up, won the Oscar, and he cried. And mm-hmm. people didn't know what to make of his vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're not giving men a lot of options. Right. You know, we're, we're it's, it's interesting that... Well, he was a victim. I don't know if he is, but Jada Pinkett Smith hasn't treated him well. He's sort of in an abusive relationship, but we're going to toss that aside. Mm-hmm. To he was overly aggressive. To mm-hmm. he was a me- an emotional mess and mm-hmm. didn't know how to end. Mm-hmm. It, it it really highlighted a lot of to me mm-hmm. a lot of issues that are sort of playing in different pockets of communities right, right now. Because there are a lot of competing ideas of what it means to be a man. Yeah. There are some people who applaud Will Smith for what he did. Like, mm-hmm. oh, he's standing up Except for Jada. He's yes. protecting Jada. Yes. That's exactly what a we need our men to do. That. Yes. Um, and then you have people saying like, no, any display of violence like that is unacceptable. What kind of example is he setting for mm-hmm. the young people? I think you're right. I think it does really kind of encapsulate all of the difficulties around being a man in society and all the different expectations that we have. And 
and that we that we set for ourselves. Yeah, a lot of the, a lot of men are saying these things about Will Smith, um, and and it's not fair to blame society or blame women when we as men are just as responsible, if not more responsible, for the ways that we encourage and expect each other to act. Mm. And I think it has to be on us to challenge that within ourselves, within our friend, within our friend groups, within our families. And I love that people like you are doing just that at organizations like Crime Stoppers of Houston, where we offer so many services and um, reach so many different communities, kindergarten on, yeah. up until, you know, up until you name it, uh, to the elderly community. Joshua, what do you think? I mean, what's your sort of hope on where we're going? Mm -hmm. Progress, I, be, because we have seen it. We have seen a change in men. We have seen a way a change in the way men behave, the way that we interact with other men. Um, when I was a kid, it was weird to tell your friends that you love them. Now I tell my male friends mm -hmm. I love them all the time. Yeah. Um, God, I've been telling everybody I love you my whole life. All the yeah. time. Starbucks when I'm like, I love you. Day, she's like, what? Oh God. <laughs> But for a lot no, of men, but you're right. it's still uncomfortable being very that, much so. like emotionally open and culturally and too. I think it depends on the culture. Yeah. I know my husband, being an Arabic family, you know, it's like the men don't say that as freely mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. you know the women do. We're telling mm -hmm. everybody they love them. And then, so what does that cause? That causes you know there is some distance between men, and we can't have those open and authentic relationships that we all need. It, it's a part of being a human being. Mm -hmm. Like we need people to love us and to be around us and to be in community with us and so it takes a lot of courage if you want to be a man have some courage to tell your friends you love them um that that is the message of the day <laughs> that right there is the message of the day um because I, again we we have to be there for each other we have to be positive examples for each other we have to check each other we have to hold each other accountable there are plenty of examples of, of toxic and unhealthy men um, and there are plenty of examples of healthy positive loving men and it's on us to elevate the good mm -hmm. ones and um, openly and publicly challenge and um, say that, that the negative examples are bad. Mm -hmm. Well, we love the work that you're doing here at Crime Stoppers, Joshua. We're so thankful that life brought you to Houston, yes. and we look forward to all the work that's ahead. We thank you guys for joining us uh, for these conversations on the Balanced Voice podcast. Joshua, thank you again. Thank you. For being our special guest this week. And we'll see you all next time. Take care, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to today's Balanced Conversation. You can find real solutions and tangible resources in our show notes at thebalancevoicepodcast.com. To join the conversation, follow us on Instagram at thebalancevoicepodcast and on Twitter at balancevoice underscore. Stay up to date on Renya's work by following her at The Renya Report. And we can't wait to see you next week for another Balanced Conversation.